When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello, you spooktacular people. We have a special little bonus episode here for everyone. This is a bonus cast that we produced for our supporters over on Patreon and PayPal, and it features the amusement park King's Island. We recently received an email from one of our listeners named Alex, and Alex wrote, I would like to pass along a suggestion I've been thinking about while listening to your show. I live about three hours out from Cincinnati, and therefore Kings Island was a popular family trip when I was younger. I still go and love the park as it's one of my favorite places, but under the skin, the park harbors a tragic past. There have been several deaths at the park while it's been in operation. While I've never had any paranormal experiences while visiting the park, there are definitely reports of odd activity, as Ghost Hunters did host an episode there back in the day. And did I mention there's a cemetery on site, tucked on the side of the main parking lot? An operating amusement park with a cemetery hidden along the minivans? That certainly is odd. Well, yes, indeed it is. And so I wrote Alex back and I said, we actually already did feature Kings Island, not on the regular feed, but as a bonus cast. And I thought, well, you know, since Alex asked, and this is one of our most responded to bonus casts from the executive producers, we figured why not share it with everybody on the regular feed? And then it gives you all a taste of what you're missing over on Patreon or PayPal. If you would like to get more bonus casts in the future, head on over to historygoesbump.com. Click on the Support the Show tab, and you can support us either via Patreon or PayPal. And it all starts at $2 a month. Now on with the bonus cast. History Goes Bump, bonus cast. Hello, you spectacular executive producers. Welcome to History Goes Bump, bonus cast number 207. Kings Island is a popular amusement park near Cincinnati, Ohio. It opened in the 1970s and has expanded through the years. As is the case with so many amusement parks, Tragic accidents do happen, and Kings Island is no exception. This is left behind spiritual residue. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of Kings Island. Island had been in the works since the 1960s, but it didn't get off the ground until 1970. Ralph Walks was the president of another amusement park in Ohio called Coney Island. 
The park had suffered setbacks due to flooding, and Walk's son Gary was ready to head a relocation effort. Gary managed to get the Taft Broadcasting Company, which owned Hanna-Barbera, to merge with Coney Island. The company purchased Coney Island for $6.5 million and soon after purchased 1,600 acres in Warren County, Ohio for $3.2 million. This site was located between I-71 and the Little Miami River. Construction began on June 15, 1970. A contest was held to name the park. The area previously was known as King's Mills, so it's no wonder that King's Island won since it paid homage to King's Mills and Coney Island. Thus you get King's Island. Nearly all of the rides that had been at Coney Island were relocated to the new park. What was left was demolished except for the Coney Island Sunlight Pool, which is still a water park today. After nearly two years of construction, King's Island was ready to open, and it did on April 29, 1972. This was a special preview, with the grand opening being on May 27, 1972. One of the first major attractions featured at the park was a wooden roller coaster that consisted of two trains that would race side-by-side on identical tracks called the Racer. This was designed by legendary designer John C. Allen. The Racer was the first of its kind to be built in 35 years. And a lot of people give it credit with roller coasters getting back into fashion and getting more innovative. It was distinguished as a roller coaster landmark by American coaster enthusiasts, or otherwise known as ACE, in recognition for its historical significance. There were some other roller coasters there as well, the Bavarian Beetle, which was a small steel coaster, and a junior wooden coaster called Happy Land of Hanna-Barbera, which was originally named Scooby-Doo. I wonder if they chased ghosts. You meddling kids! Is that how it would end? Somebody shaking their fist at you as you came up on your car? The most expensive ride that was there on opening day was Enchanted Voyage. This was a $2 million dark ride attraction that featured over 100 animatronic Hanna-Barbera characters. Ooh, how fun. I would love that. I loved Hanna-Barbera cartoons. There were two sitcoms back in the 70s that filmed on location at Kings Island. The Partridge Family did it in 1972 and The Brady Bunch in 1973. There were many world record-breaking events that were hosted here. 69-year-old Carl Walenda set a world record for the longest tightrope skywalk at a distance of 1,800 feet in 1974. This was performed 60 feet off the ground. Evil Knievel got in on the action when he jumped 14 Greyhound buses on his Harley-Davidson at Kings Island, and that was in 1975. That was a distance of 133 feet. That record wasn't broken until 1999. It was his last major stunt, and it was his longest successful jump of his entire career. In 1979, a mammoth roller coaster called The Beast was opened, and at the time it was the tallest, fastest, and longest wooden roller coaster in the world. In the 1980s, King Island partnered with Aero Development, who built amusement park rides for Disneyland and Disney World, and they developed a unique roller coaster concept called The Bat. This opened to the public in 1981, it was the first modern-day suspended roller coaster that featured an overhead track with train cars that swung freely from side to side, meant to simulate the feeling of flight. It was well-received by riders, but it was plagued with design flaws, and it had constant maintenance issues. It was frequently closed, and it only had a three-year run. A lot of people got upset because they were like, hey, you had this new innovative coaster and you took it away from us. So Kings Island took the south track of the racer and they began running the trains backwards in 1982 
And everybody loved it so much that they continued to do that all the way until 2008. In 1984, the King Cobra opened up. It was the first of its kind to be designed from inception as a stand-up roller coaster. In 1984, Taft sold its theme park division for $167.5 million to King's Entertainment Company, which was known as KECO. And this was formed by senior executives and general managers of Taft Attractions Group. There were three parks that they owned that were involved in the sale. This was King's Island, Carowinds, and King's Dominion. In 1987, King's Island was sold individually to American Financial Corporation that was owned by Carl Lindner and KECO kept ownership of the other two parks. Paramount Communications, Inc., which was formerly Gulf Western, purchased KECO and Kings Island in 1992, and this was a deal worth $400 million. Paramount formed a new division they called Paramount Parks, and they began incorporating themes from its movies into the park. Viacom entered the picture when they acquired Paramount in 1994, And along with that, they brought in Nickelodeon themes because they own Nickelodeon. So now there was Nickelodeon Splat City, Nickelodeon Central, and Nickelodeon Universe. Viacom split into two companies, Viacom and CBS Corporation, in 2005, and CBS inherited Paramount Parks. CBS decided that they weren't interested in running amusement parks, so they sold Paramount Parks to Cedar Fair on June 30, 2006, for $1.24 billion. Amusement parks are big business. Now, because Paramount was no longer involved, a lot of the theming had to be changed. So many of the rides changed their names. It's the same rides, just different theming. And with Cedar Fair came the Peanuts. So there was a lot of Peanuts theming that was included into the park, especially in the children's areas after that. Cedar Fair also in 2021, so this last year, added an outdoor resort and RV campground that they call Camp Cedar. It's a year-round campground, and it features 73 cottages, 164 RV lots, and a water park. So it sounds like a really cool place. If you guys have been to Kings Island, would love to hear about it. I've never been to Ohio, so I haven't been there. Sounds like a lot of fun. And of course... What makes these amusement parks so much more interesting for us is when they turn out to have some ghost stories connected to them. Apparently, the Dog Street Cemetery is located on the premises here. But that isn't the only reason this amusement park might be haunted. But before we get into talking about accidents and such, the Dog Street Cemetery is known by a lot of different names. There's the Dill Graveyard, Hoff Farm Cemetery, J.D. Hoff Cemetery, Kings Island Cemetery, and Union Methodist Cemetery. It's an inactive cemetery, and it's at the north end of the parking area of the Kings Island Amusement Park on the east side of Kings Island Drive. The Deerfield Township trustees maintain it. It looks like it could use some love. There's a lot of tombstones that are tipped over, leaning, but the grounds look like they're mowed and taken care of in that way. I'm not sure how many burials there are here, but it does look like there are quite a few plots. The first burial was in 1803, and it's believed that they stopped burying people here in 1869. Now, the cool story behind this is that this cemetery had been long forgotten. Nobody had been upkeeping it since 1890. When they were beginning the building on Kings Island, the developers knew that there was a cemetery here, and they wanted to find it to make sure that they could protect it, which I think is very cool because you're thinking 1970s, they're just going to plow right over it. After a lot of searching, a worker finally spotted a single tombstone. 
they said that there were only one or two of the 69 gravestones that had been there were still standing. The only way that they could actually locate the stones was to accidentally step on them or maybe even trip over them. The cool thing about this is that they all worked together to get the cemetery back into the order that it should be, getting the headstones back up and making sure that they had a nice fence that was put around it. Now, you can be sure that since this is a cemetery that is basically in an amusement park, there is some urban legends connected to it. Some people say that ghosts wander around the cemetery late at night. And one of those spirits is a five-year-old girl that's been named Missouri Jane Gallinier. Her headstone can be found in the cemetery. Reports by some websites claim that the little girl drowned in a pond of water near the cemetery in 1846. Park guests describe apparitions inside the amusement park of a young girl about four feet tall, dressed in a 19th century blue dress. She roams around the parking lot and an area near the KI and Miami Valley Railroad, among other locations. And a lot of people believe that this is Missouri Jane. She supposedly died of cholera, and her family, the Gallinier family, moved to Vienna, Illinois after her death. And perhaps that's why she haunts the area. She's looking for her family. Where did they go? There have been a few accidents here at Kings Island. In 1976, a Lion Country Safari Ranger was killed by a lion. There is an Eiffel Tower exhibit, and the story goes that there was an accident here. A young man climbed the fence that separated the elevator from the public at the bottom of the tower. It was his high school graduation, and supposedly they were doing some kind of a grad night at Kings Island. He climbed up the tower stairs, and as the elevator began to rise up the shaft, he tried to jump on and ride it to the top. But as he jumped, he became tangled in the cables. And um, let me just say that his body was split in two. So a pretty horrific accident here. This happened in 1983, and people started calling him Tower Johnny. I don't know what his real name was, if it was John, and that's why they started calling him Tower Johnny. But apparently, there's a lot of electrical issues. And anytime they have electrical issues, employees like to say that these are Johnnies taking place. So if the lights start flickering, elevators don't work right, something is unexplained, sensors get tripped in an unexplained way, they all will say, oh, that's a Johnny. So all of those are just Johnnies named after Tower Johnny. And then there was Black Sunday. This took place on June 9th, 1991. Three people were killed within a single hour. A newspaper report about what happened here says spokesmen at Kings Island Amusement Park in southern Ohio said they were baffled by the accidents that took place on Sunday night when two men were electrocuted in a shallow pond of water that contained fountain-producing electrical equipment, and then a woman fell 60 feet to her death from a ride called Flight Commander. Some of you may say, wait, that Flight Commander ride name sounds really familiar, That same ride is at three other parks, King's Dominion in Richmond, Virginia, Great America in Santa Clara, California, and Knott's Berry Farm near Los Angeles. After the fatality that we had here, all of those were shut down so that they could be inspected. Apparently what happened here is one of the workers was named Timothy Bining, or Binning. He was 22. And he got in this pond for some reason. I don't know if he needed to work on the electrical equipment Some stories say that somebody lost something in the pond and he was going in to retrieve it. 
but there was something wrong with the way some of the electrical equipment was hooked up. I don't know if it wasn't grounded properly or if over time water had caused some kind of an issue. But the minute he got into the water, he got an electrical shock and he passed out. Thankfully, he was there with another worker. His name was William Haithcote. He was about 20. He jumped in the water right away to try to help his friend, his co-worker here, and he was electrocuted. There was a nearby security guard named Daryl Robertson, who was also 20, and he saw both of the men get electrocuted in the pond. He comes running over to try to help, and he was also given an electrical shock. So, of course, emergency vehicles are called, and they come in, and then there's this woman named Candy Taylor. She was 32. She was on the flight commander at the time. Now, I've heard two different stories here. One of them is that somehow the ride stopped when she was stuck upside down. She was trying to strain to see what was going on with these emergency vehicles. And in jiggling around in her seat, moving around in her seat, she came out of it and fell 60 feet to her death. The other story I heard about this is that her accident had nothing to do with the other one, that it happened about an hour later and she was at the park by herself and had been doing a lot of drinking. Her blood alcohol level was 0.30, which I don't even know how she was standing. So somehow she got on the ride and there were people who thought that her harness had malfunctioned in some way. And so when the ride flipped upside down, her body went flying out. But probably contributing to this even more than just having a malfunction of the harness is that she'd passed out. And when her body went limp, she had an empty seat next to her because she was riding by herself that she just went out over the shoulder restraint and lap bar. They blamed a design flaw on the ride and the ride was closed for the rest of the 1991 season. It reopened in 1992. I don't know if it was the ride and her at fault, if it was just her at fault. Either way, it was a horrible accident. The bit of good news here is I mentioned four names and I said only three people died. Timothy Binning or Bining, the first person to go into that pond to get shocked, actually survived. So it's a little bit ironic that the two people who jumped in to save him died and he lived. And to be clear, Kings Island is like all the amusement parks out there, especially Disney likes to do this too. Nobody dies in their parks. So everybody died at the hospital. But I'm thinking the woman who fell 60 feet onto concrete. Yeah, she was probably dead before she got to the hospital. We haven't heard of any haunts that are connected to that, but it's a definite possibility. There is the ghost of a little boy who goes by the name of Racer Boy. He's been seen wearing white near the racer coaster. He's believed to be attached to some of the racer cars that originally belonged to a Coney Island ride called Shooting Star, on which a little boy was found dead on the tracks after falling from the ride. Well, there's really nothing like an actual haunted amusement park. Is Kings Island haunted? That is for you to decide. Thanks so much for tuning in to this bonus cast. I've been your host, Diane. You take care now. Bye-bye.